Oh my god. OBS changed my microphone settings. Everything that I set up until now hasn't come through at all. Aww. That's really fucking frustrating. Yeah. If you joined the Discord, you could have heard everything that Ian was saying. Alright, let me just start over. We've just been sitting here in silence. <laughs> yeah. over, but the fast version. All right, getting but through the announcements super now. quick here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Whiskey Wednesdays, a Fools and Flagons show where we review and discuss various topics regarding D&D, as suggested by you and the lovely people in our Discord. Whiskey Wednesdays will be available on the Wednesday after the live stream on our YouTube channel and in podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, and many other mainstream podcast services. Donations are never required, but always appreciated. If you would like to support us, please consider our coffee page. All proceeds from donations and memberships go straight back into making Fools and Flagons an even better experience, and it helps keep the podcast alive and well. I still want a burger. Metal wants a burger. I have a great new whiskey called Green Spot. I got it when I was on vacation in uh, over Thanksgiving. It's phenomenal. Uh, Good mouthfeel. Becca's already drunk. I'm going to get there because, fuck, I just wasted 15 <laughs> minutes of my life. So, uh, today we are going to be talking about the Delver, the Delver's Guide to Beast World. It's a new module that I helped uh, back on Kickstarter. The PDF just came out. I've been reading through it. It's kind of awesome. Uh, I mainly got it to look over the uh, wagon and cart building that they have for it for a future campaign I have planned. Uh, but basically, the module's all about furries. So, oh god, I gotta wrap my brain around everything that I've set up to this point. It's so annoying. Uh, scrolling down, scrolling down. Uh, one of the FAQs in here for the game, just to kind of cover some stuff. Uh, do the beasts have paws and hands slash feet? And their reply is, the 5e game system requires hands, so we assume beasts have hands. Canonically, some beasts have foot paws and digigrade legs, some beasts have human legs and feet, out of character, what goes on in your character shoes is your business. So if you're playing a bovine creature and uh, they traditionally have hooves for feet, you don't have to. You can have them have more humanoid types of feet. Um, there are humans in this world. There are relatively new species, about uh, 15 years in this world canonically. While there are felines, wolves, dogs, bears, cows, and all that are bipedal, they are considered uh, in this world as willful creatures. They have sentience. They can talk. They can uh, communicate. They can think. There are versions of these creatures that are not willful. So whether you have a bovine, there are still cows that you would use for food and uh, grazing and all that. In this world, eating a creature that is willful is considered cannibalism. But if a bovine were to eat just a regular old cow, that's perfectly fine. Doesn't matter. Um, let's see, what else? What did I miss? I'm trying to blitz through this so I'm not wasting all of your time as well. We're debating about how hands look like <clears throat> on bats. We'll get to the bats eventually, don't worry. Um, so There are different types of cows. There are. So, uh, gonna touch on how the layout of this module works for the races at the moment. You have the basic trait, which we're gonna be starting with the bovine. So starting with the bovine, uh, you've got the bovine traits, and these traits work over both different sub-races, because it's, uh, it's kind of like a, 
how you've got like the hill dwarves and the mountain dwarves or whatever. So with the bovine, you've got like Angus and Bison. They're going to have their own special features, uh, size differences, ability score increases. But this module is also going to have homeland traits, which these differ depending on where you want your character to start in this module. Uh, some of them work will work across any uh, type of D&D setting that you want to do. I will be skipping over the ones that are module specific because there is one, I don't remember which, that basically says if there is someone from this area, you recognize this and you get benefits in interacting with them. Since that won't work in like Storm King's Thunder, I'm not going to bother really covering it as far as this particular one goes. And I also Julian, won't be going... Huh? Can I ask, can I ask a, a question? question? Yes. Do If you have like an animal, like you were saying with bovines, mm -hmm. that are both domestic and wild, so like bison versus Angus, mm -hmm. does that also affect the traits? The traits? That with like a willful creature or just a basic creature? With a willful creature. So like if you have like a mountain goat versus like a normal head stole sheep, would that affect? Fact, like the ruggedness of the animal? It depends. Some of the races have differences like that. Some of them don't. Mm -hmm. I believe the sheep are basically just sheep. But there are yeah. some like the, the bovines that have Angus and bison. There's slight differences between them. Mm -hmm. So now with all of that out of the way, having done a very quick recap. Uh, I hate it Bye. when I do that. I should have checked. It's what I get for updating my computer and then streaming without checking things. But regardless, uh, if you have any future topics that you would like for us to discuss, uh, please join the Discord. The links are all over the place. They're in chat if you're watching us live. They're down below in the description on YouTube. And uh, if you're listening in podcast form, you can even message us on Instagram if you want at Fools and Flagons and just let us know like, hey, this rule really confused me or this happened in my campaign. What are your thoughts on it? And we'll take a look at it. That's what we're here for. So, having wasted 20 minutes, let's get on into this, shall we? Yeah! So, uh, starting with the bovine, also not going to go too much into the fluff of this, because I was reading this for about two or three hours earlier today, just to kind of catch up on everything. Just going to go into the meat of everything. Um, as a bovine, you are considered a humanoid. Your strength score is increased by two. Your walking speed is 30 feet, and you have uh, a trait called March on Hooves. You have advantage on saving throws you make to avoid suffering exhaustion from a forced march. Uh, basically, if you're marching um, longer than a day at a time, you would make a check to see if you become exhausted from that. You also have powerful build. You count as one size larger when determining your carry capacity and the weight you can push, drag, or lift. So you are considered a medium creature. Um, the carrying, push, drag, and lift, uh, there's a multiplicative part of it that is based off of your creature size. So a bovine with that math would be considered large, which I think is like two times more than you can normally carry, push, drag, and lift. It's a fairly significant difference. You've also got uh, head down, feet forward. 
If you move at least 10 feet in a straight line towards a creature as part of your turn, your first melee attack against that creature is made with advantage. If this attack scores a critical hit, you can roll one of the weapon's damage dice one additional time and add it to the extra damage of the critical hit. So this if you is a were... complete tangent, but I fucking love that <laughs> with the, the push carry rule, just the fact that the bovine could probably be pulling the card on her. Um, maybe. <laughs> well, there there is something to um, the size of whatever you're trying to push, carry, and lift, not necessarily just the weight. Um, yeah. So, for example, I mean, you're not going to grapple a wagon. I mean, I guess you could grapple a wagon, but I'll for example, generally speaking, if you're trying to grapple something, you can only grapple something one size larger than you. So, if something... If you're a medium creature, you can grab, grapple small, tiny, medium, uh, and large creatures. Huge and gargantuan, no chance. But if so. you can already do something that's one size bigger than you, does that mean you get to go up two sizes? No. Sad. Most things like this are not additive. It's kind of a one or the other. See it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so another bovine trait is called root connected. As an action, you can touch a plant to communicate with it for one minute. You can ask about events within the past day that happened in a 30-foot radius around the plant or as far as its roots reach underground, whichever is further. A plant knows how, s how many small or larger creatures traveled through the area and can also describe anything that disturbed its home soil. It can provide a rudimentary visual description of things within range. For example, it knows the color of clothing and the species of a creature, but cannot distinguish the individuals. So if there were like three different bovines, it could say, yeah, there were three bovines here, but it wouldn't say like, oh yeah, Charlie was over here and Becca was off that side. Um, you can also determine whether the plant is having difficulty growing and why. So, uh, now we're going to get into the differences between the two different types of bovines, the Angus and the Bison. With the Angus, your constitution score increases by one. Your size is anywhere between 6 feet 3 inches and 7 feet 3 inches. You're still considered a medium creature. You also get the trait Bullheaded. An enemy that hits you hard enough gets your undivided attention. When you take half your maximum hit points or more in damage from a single attack, you gain advantage on melee weapon attack rolls for one minute or until you target a different creature with an attack. Which I don't particularly see that being awfully useful in, in the late game. Because, I mean, if you're yeah. rocking like 120 hit points and something takes out half your health in one hit. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it might be time to just say, fuck that. Fuck it in the fucking bucket, move on. Mm-hmm. Issa, you missed it. We were actually talking about getting me a fucking bucket. <laughs> oh yeah, for his uh <laughs> for the resin. His spillover uh, resin, yeah. <laughs> um The bison also have a ability score increase of uh, or constitution increases by one. Their size, most bison stand between six and seven feet tall, so a little shorter than the Angus. But the bison have a trait called Unreal Grip. A large weapon is a natural fit in a bison's immense palm. 
when you are wielding a two-handed melee weapon and no other weapons, you can wield it with one hand. Additionally, when you wield a melee weapon with a versatile property with one hand, you deal damage as if wielding it with two hands. Oh, question. Uh Uh-huh. A shield isn't a weapon, is it? Correct. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Wait. I need this one more time. Uh, Oh. Oh, I see. (laughs) Yeah. You wield a two-handed weapon and a a shield. (laughs) Yep. And you're considered to be using the weapon as if it were two-handed. You were putting two hands on it. Kind of nuts. Uh, so going on into the homeland traits, the first one is called tenacious curiosity, bovine stubbornness with uh, blah blah blah. Your intelligence modifier is treated as three higher for the purposes of training a language or tool proficiency. So basically, I, I believe the rules are. You have to study for such and such amount of time times your modifier or something, or subtracted by the modifier. Uh, I don't particularly remember what those rules are off the top of my head, but your intelligence score does matter for those kinds of uh, training exercises. Uh, The next homeland trait is actually very intriguing. Ingenuity and artificing. With 24 hours of work, you can repair a broken magic item to restore its magical properties. The tool used is based on the type of item. For example, a staff requires a woodcarver's tools check, which is dexterity. The cost and DC are based on the magic item's rarity, and they have a little chart down for it. A successful check allows you to repair the damage connection to the arcana and restore the item's magic. It retains the same number of charges or uses it had when it was broken, and the materials are not consumed on a failed check, but the item takes twice as long to repair each time it is unsuccessfully restored. So, a common item has a DC of 18, uncommon is a DC of 20, rare has a DC of 25, and very rare has a DC of 30. Legendaries cannot be repaired. Which, <coughs> granted, legendaries shouldn't be getting broken to begin with, but... Yeah. It's just... the, the fact. I'll find a way. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It seems like a very niche trait because, generally speaking, magic items don't break. Well, that being said, if you come across one that is broken, well, it could be useful if it's repaired. The other, the other side of that is a lot of items that have charges. Um, there's two things that I, I remember seeing. is You can technically use an item after the charges have been spent... Or No, I believe if you use the last charge of some items, there is a chance that it will break. Um, and in that sort of situation, then you could use this trait to, to fix it. But as yeah. far as like dropping it into acid or something, it, it would never happen. I think I, I think I remember reading in the DM guide um, two most common reasons for a broken magical item is it's an item that has a chance to break if you use too many charges like Ian said or Mm -hmm. if a another magical item of greater power or just a greater magical output than the item can withstand happens but that's like in extreme circumstances yeah 
doesn't happen often, but when it does, oof, buddy. And not great. No. I think uh, currently my favorite example is as a, um, and this is in uh, Exandrian lore from Critical Role. Uh, someone found a solar's bow, which for those of you who don't know, a solar is a type of angelic being, and their bow is a very magical item, was almost completely disintegrated except for like one piece, and they found out it was because someone tried to summon a god. Oh. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> okay, Zuko. Yeah, thank you. Someone got the reference. Uh, moving on to the other, the next uh, homeland trait is the bouncer's kid. Those bovines not inclined to spend their lives in prayer find another path. Uh, blah, 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 let me see. You have proficiency in the perception skill and with one gaming set of your choice. You have advantage on perception checks made for the purposes of spotting someone cheating with any gaming set you have proficiency with. Again, very, very niche. Probably wouldn't want to take that unless you're doing a campaign that has to do with subtlety and gambling, I suppose. Or you just want to get really fucking rich at the tavern, if I'm honest. I, look, I don't judge. However <laughs> you want to make your money. I do. Uh, the next one, Nim might like. Reader of Maps and Moss. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have proficiency with cartographer's tools and by spending one minute touching a plant growing in an underground space you can discern the direction of a path to the surface you can also learn the most common creature type other than humanoid or beast within 300 feet of the plant once you use this ability you can't use it again until you finish a long rest Cool. That's pretty cool. I should mention that this module is all about dungeons are randomly appearing throughout the world, and most of the delvers are the people that go and explore these are called delvers. Uh, they have found that they can get phenomenally rich just by gold and magic items that are down there and then selling them. And uh, the other problem is that when these dungeons appear, monsters come out it affects the the region around them towns start being attacked by monsters coming out of the dungeons so it's kind of a problem and that's where a lot of these traits are going to be like hey if you're fucking underground uh it, it's a there's a lot of things in here about benefiting uh -oh. you being underground and figuring out how to get out of dungeons and stuff that's pretty cool yeah uh you've got the light touched farmhand next you have proficiency in the stealth skill. Additionally, when traveling over land, you roll stealth checks to avoid being tracked with advantage. So super sneaky. Cool. But uh, that that about does it for the the bovines. We can. Any questions Burr. before we move on to the canines? No. no. So far, so good. I was gonna say, all right, good talk. Moving on. <clears throat> cool. Uh, so. Uh, let's see, what's this note? Uh, okay, so uh, for a canine, you are considered a humanoid. Pretty much all these are going to be humanoid. I'm probably just going to skip over that until it's not, Ian, and that'll be some of the you. later on uh, rarer... The that you is very suggestive. <laughs> I could barely hear her. Is she talking about where I've scrolled on the image? Yeah. Yes. Oh, just, just wait. Some of these get a little bit racier. 
Um, <laughs> Even the thigh-high boots and the lingerie were not like. Yeah, it gets a little bit racier than that. Well, damn. Anyway, uh, I'll let you know when we get to that if you're passed out or whatever. So as a K9, <laughs> your charisma score increases by two. Your walking speed is 30. You also have scent tracking. You have advantage on survival tracks or checks to track a creature if you have an object the creature has worn or carried in the last seven days. You also have hardy stomach, which gives you advantage on saving throws made to resist ingested poisons. Hmm. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. Like... Dogs eat their own shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. Healthy dandelions. But God forbid the dog eats chicken and he breaks out for a fucking week. Yeah, chicken chicken gas is rough. No, he's allergic. Oh, well, that's a problem too. Yeah. Uh, so, one of the sub-races of the canine is the wolf. Your strength score increases by one. And your size is medium. You stand anywhere between five foot ten and six foot six. You also have unit tactics. You have this one's interesting. You have advantage on an attack roll against a creature if at least two of your allies are within five feet of the creature and they are not incapacitated. So it's like pack tactics, but you have to have three of you surrounding a creature, including yourself. No, no, no. it's no, no. You have advantage on an attack roll against a creature if at least two of your allies are within five feet of the creature. No, you don't have to be there. If they are within five feet. You know what? Fair. Fair argument. So, range. Very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also have better with an audience. You have a plus two bonus to charisma checks if at least three allies you can see are within 30 feet of you. Next up, we have You're dog. Just working hard to be called good boy. Yes. Well, no, no, no. We're, we're getting to good boy. The good boys are the dogs. <laughs> uh, your wisdom score increases by one as a dog. You're also considered medium, and your size is anywhere, or your height is anywhere between four foot seven and six foot three. And that does that apply to the chihuahuas? Uh, we don't count rats. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll get to the rats later on. <laughs> So the dogs have uh, herding tactics. You have advantage on attack rolls against a creature if one of the creature's allies is within five feet of it and that creature is not incapacitated. So it's a reverse of pack tactics. Which Multiple is... enemies, better rolls. Huh? Say again? Multiple enemies, better rolls. Yeah. No, it, it's a very interesting twist. Um, they also have ears toward danger. When automatically... Defending yourself with innate reflexes, you have some extra protection against magical assault. You have advantage on saving throws made to avoid or resist magical traps or spells cast on you while you are surprised. In addition, you add an extra 1d4 to initiative rolls. Oh. Not my favorite, but not bad. Not bad. Mm. Um, the first homeland trait... Once per round on your turn, when you miss with a melee weapon attack, you can deal 1d4 damage of the weapon's type to the target. The attack is still a miss for all other purposes. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it again on the same target until you hit it with the melee weapon attack. 
good if he missed, you still get a little bit out of it. Yes, exactly. The the specific I'm going to get into lore on this one because it makes sense if you read it. Um, so the soldiers in Alamagnian canine levies are trained in following up failed attacks with a brutal backswing that catches their enemy off guard. That's why if you miss, you can still just give them a little, a little, a little, a little pop, a little backhand. Uh, and that charm with outsiders, that's what I was talking about that is very specific to this module, so we're going to skip over that. Um, sniffing out deals. You have advantage on investigation checks to find the best price on non-magical items in a large city, one with more than 10,000 people. This next one is actually really cool. It's called Strafing Strike. You fight with the hit-and-run tactics of the desert canines. When you hit an attack using a light weapon, you can roll a larger damage die. A d4 becomes a d6, uh, then a d8, then a d10, then a d12. If it's a d12 or 2d6 damage, it cannot be increased in size. That's the highest that you can have. Um, once you use this ability, you cannot use it again until you move at least 10 feet. So just fucking run circles, baby. Very cool. Uh, the last homeland trait is called Like Herding Cats. You coordinate the uncoordinatable. You can roll skill checks using the help action of two allies at once. If two allies use the help action on a skill check that you make, you can re-roll one of the d20s that you use to make that check. So basically, if two people decide that they're going to help you while you're doing something, they give you advantage. This is saying that if you roll with advantage, you can pick one of those dice and re-roll it. Cool. Really good. Yeah. <clears throat> On to the bunnies. Well, the bunnies slash squirrels. They are the celerine. Maybe it's celery. <laughs> Um, <laughs> your dexterity score increases by two. Your walking speed is 35 feet. You have skittish instinct. Some part of a creature built to run away still remains in you. You cannot be surprised while you are conscious. That's fucking good. You have, uh, arcane alacrity. A spark of the arcane attunes celerine reflexes to subtle shifts in natural law. You have advantage on dexterity saving throws against spells and other magical effects. So the two sub-races in this are the rabbit and the squirrel, as I said. With the rabbit, your charisma score increases by one. Uh, rabbits are considered medium. They're anywhere between 5'6 and 6'6. And they have the trait Extraordinary Panache. Um... You know the cantrip Prestidigitation, and Charisma is your spellcasting ability for it. <laughs> for the squirrel, uh, your intelligence score increases by one. Your size is medium, and you stand anywhere between 5'5 and 6'5, barely shorter than their rabbit counterparts. And they have the trait Vaulting Poise. Like your tiny progenitors, you excel at reaching high places, as long as you don't stop on your way up. You can move up to your speed along vertical surfaces without falling during the move. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, these ones, they're very... 
they're very artsy fartsy. Um, they're very, they like a lot of color. Like they just, there's like some of them that are in like the snow biome, then they want to be black so that they stand out. They don't want to like mesh. So the first homeland trait, a bit of a long one, it's called burst of color. Uh, let's see. When you, when you use this ability as an action, you emit a dazzling strobe of color for one minute. If another creature starts its turn within 60 feet of you and can see you, it must make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw. Any creature that can't be charmed succeeds on the saving throw automatically. On a failed save, the creature has disadvantage on perception checks made to perceive any creature other than you until the start of its next turn. Unless surprised... Huh? As a reminder, this effect lowers the creature's passive perception by 5. Yes. Pretty cool. Um... Unless surprised, a creature can avert its eyes to avoid the saving throw at the start of its turn. If the creature does so, it can't see you until the start of its next turn, when it can avert its eyes again. If the creature looks at you in the meantime, it must immediately make the save. The effect ends early if you are incapacitated or end it as an action. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it until you finish a long rest. The problem with this is that it says another creature, meaning your party members can be affected by this as well. Mm. So. It is a, uh, a, a wee mixed little... Bag. Hmm? Mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. It has potential, but could still um, cause some fuckery. And fuckery is this? Uh, the next homeland trait we have is Burst of Darkness. When you use this ability as an action, tentacles fill a five-foot radius area surrounding you, turning it into difficult terrain for one minute. When a creature enters the affected area for the first time or starts its turn there, it must succeed on a DC 13 dex saving throw or take 1d6 bludgeoning damage and be restrained by the tentacles. A creature that starts its turn in the area and is already restrained by the tentacles takes 1d6 bludgeoning damage. It can break out with a DC 13 strength or dexterity check of its choice. And once the creature is freed, the tentacles dissipate and the effect ends. So it's kind of like a mini um, black tentacle spell. But you just kind of get it for free and you can use it once per long rest. Cool. I want to say this about the last one because <clears throat> I didn't realize Z could mute it and I missed trying to be good but i just had this mental image of zach just doing like this rainbow like canalope of like all these colors and shiny lights and me just looking at him and like seizing immediately on the ground <laughs> <laughs> and it's like becca it's your turn but becca what you doing why are you twitching zach shut it off <laughs> hey hey becca it's your turn come on why are you foaming at the mouth get up <laughs> <laughs> just like me twitching on the ground and being like good job Zach but also help lots of help please help <laughs> Becca used flail it wasn't very effective <laughs> I'm a magic carp I love it <laughs> I'll take that I mean if you look at what you are on the stream you are kind of magic carpy for <clears throat> your information if I am anything I am mudkip Fair. yeah I'll give you that okay uh, the next homeland trait, we have Burst of Silence. 
As an action, you erect a barrier of silence in a 5-foot radius sphere centered on yourself for one minute. No sound can be created within or pass through the sphere. Any creature or object entirely inside the sphere is immune to thunder damage, and creatures are deafened while entirely inside it. Casting a spell that includes a verbal component is impossible there. You can dismiss it as an action, and you can only use it once per long rest. Think of all the oh. pissed off bards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the middle of a tavern, need to have a uh, quiet moment. You just boop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Next up, we have Burst of Speed. As an action, you gather speed around yourself for one minute, increasing your speed and long jump distance by 10 feet. At the start of each of your turns, creatures you choose within 5 feet of you also gain this increase in speed and jump distance until the end of their next turn. You can dismiss it as an action, and you can only use it once per long rest. That's not bad. So it's basically Skyrim dash shout, but you give it to everyone within five feet of you. Does that include enemies? Um, at the start of each of your turns, creatures you choose. So yes, okay. you could give it to enemies if you wanted to. Just have them run off a cliff because <clears throat> they don't realize they got it and they just go, wee! <laughs> Lemmings. Um, <laughs> great bird. Yep. Uh, best bird, favorite bird. Do, do you know that lemmings don't actually jump off the the? Yeah, Dis- yeah Disney's a heartless fuck. Over this. <laughs> yeah. Metal actually didn't know what lemmings were when we were playing uh, Pictionary, so he was drawing birds like following each other, <laughs> and none of us got. It. It's like they're fucking lemmings, and I was like, lemmings are rodents, and he goes. I did I not did know that. that. <laughs> oh god, we must have laughed for like twenty minutes. We couldn't keep playing. <laughs> no, they look like little sad guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe this is the last one. It's called Burst of Air. By activating this ability as an action, you are enclosed by a transparent bubble of air just large enough to contain you. The bubble is filled with breathable air at a comfortable temperature, and it floats on the surface of water and other liquids. You can push against the edge of the bubble to move half your speed on land or through water. As a bonus action, you can mentally command the bubble to submerge or surface in water up to half your speed. If you take damage or target a creature or object with an effect that deals damage, the bubble disappears. Otherwise, it lasts for one minute, and you can only use the ability once per long rest. That wraps up the uh, the rabbits and squirrels. Is a deer. These guys are honestly kind of broken. The servines—they're basically reindeer, elk kind of creatures. They're they're sort of awesome. (laughs) So you are a humanoid. Your strength score increases by two. You have a thirty-foot walking speed. Uh, The first trait they have is Armaments of the First. All Servines are gifted with one of their forebears' natural weapons. You have a Hoof Stomp and a Gore Attack if you have Antlers, which is your choice. You don't have to have Antlers if you don't want to. These attacks deal 1d6 damage plus your Strength Modifier. The Hoof Stomp deals Bludgeoning Damage and the Gore Attack deals Piercing Damage. They also have March of Hooves, 
which gives you advantage uh, to avoid suffering exhaustion from a forced march. And they have powerful build, like the bovines. You are one size larger when determining your carrying capacity and the weight you can push, drag, or lift. So uh, this is going to be the first one that doesn't have an alternate subrace. It's just, they're just elks. Are you sure? There's not good. one below it? Huh? I mean, there's not one below it or anything like that? Nope. Nope. Well, so, um, your constitution score increases sense. by one. Because elk aren't really deer. They're like their own little subclass thing. Does yeah. that make sense? Um, Servines are some of the tallest inhabitants of the beast world, with most standing somewhere between six foot four and seven foot six, uh, before accounting for the antlers. Your size yeah. is still medium. Their first trait is nature's conduit. Animal ancestors of the elk roamed the mountains before the beast world's creation. The old world's magic still shimmers in the expanse of the area that they were starting in, called Oria. Your legacy still manifests as a faint glow in your eyes or pinpricks of light at the points of your antlers. You can use this part of your body in place of any spellcasting focus. Additionally, you can attune to a maximum of four magical items. Yeah. God damn. That's that's nuts. Being able yeah, to attune to four items. Fucking strong. Yeah. Uh, they also have unshakable guard. Servines are stout and wide, and their stature enables them to plant their feet and endure. When an effect would knock you prone, you can use your reaction to remain standing. You can only use this once per short or long rest. Scooching on over into the uh, homeland traits. Uh, Holders of history is one that's only uh, able to be used in this module, so we're going to skip past that. Um, the next one, you've got Forge Bequeathed. You can cast spells with expensive components with materials 20% less than is normally required. You roll any ability check used to create a magic item with advantage, and the gold material cost to do so is 20% lower. You also have Tusk Bequeathed. If you hit a creature at least one size category larger than you with an attack on the first turn of combat, the attack deals an extra 2d6 uh. damage to the creature, and you can use this trait only once per combat. Damn. Yeah, that's kind of dope. You just get an extra 2d6 damage on the first time you bonk something? Hell yes. Uh, this next trait is technically it's usable in other modules but it's probably a little bit less likely than in this one so I'm going to go ahead and go over it um, when you build a vehicle or supervise the construction of one you ensure it has a sturdy holistic frame whenever the vehicle collides with a creature or object while moving the damage it takes is reduced by 3d6 the struck creature or object takes bludgeoning damage equal to the amount of damage prevented in this way. So again, this whole module is about caravans. Like you're literally a group of five adventurers. You're probably going to have anywhere from two to three wagons traveling around. They have roaming cities of just wagons that just move every single day. I just so, think that's hilarious that the deer has something that reduces the damage to cars. Like that is... I mean, come on, that's pretty funny. 
I only just now put that together. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I mean, come on now. Like, Gotta make uh, sure this car's built right. I've seen what happened when they don't build right. Mm-mm. <laughs> I, I remember, Uncle Jerry, you right. We got to fix this shit. Quick. <laughs> and not only that, but, like, it's revenge because, like, you just said, like, whatever they hit gets more damage. Yeah. So, so literally, they're like, no, we're not make, we're making sure none of these bitches live. Like, we aren't going to have another thing that happened to Cousin Janice where she was in the hospital for, like, nine months. No, we're putting these bitches out of their misery. Like, I want to make sure that car is okay, and I want to make sure whoever I hit is not. Janice got <laughs> run over by a Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Rudolph's getting its day, damn it. Uh, right. The... Next time you going through my windshield. Uh, <laughs> Actually, um, funny story mm-hmm. about that. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell the story, and my dad finally had to break it to her. So when my mom was bringing me home from the hospital, a deer crashed into the side of her car and, like, got impaled on the car. And these very nice rednecks came and took the deer away and told mom that they would handle the deer. Until I was, like, 19 or 20, my mom thought they were going to help the deer. And my dad finally broke it to her one time when he was drunk, and he's like, Arlene, they ate it. Like, they, they shot the deer and they ate it. She's like, no, they didn't! And he's like... They literally ate the deer. It is in bumfuck nowhere, Pennsylvania. They eat roadkill. It's fine. They killed the deer. So mom for 20 years thought they were helping the deer, and they literally <laughs> killed the deer. You your poor, sweet, innocent, naive mother. It had a freaking, <laughs> like, what is it? The, the, um, the thing where you look behind the mirror? It had the mirror stuck in the deer's chest. Like, there's nothing you're going to do to help that deer. Make venison <laughs> sausages. Call it a day. Yeah. I actually got to try deer for the first time for my brother-in-law over Thanksgiving. It was delicious. It's great. So good, that was the first time? <clears throat> mm-hmm. I make a really good I don't have medicine. a lot of redneck friends. Me. What, what Me. did you say? I'm your redneck Vincent friend. Vincent is a delight. You you know what I'm saying. No. When I, I lived in Texas, your truth. <laughs> I made really good venison, cheddar, and jalapeno sausages. I used to make them by hand. They were so good. Well, to stop myself from getting hungry, I'm going to move on. Uh, The next Homeland trait we have is Sand Whispering Outcast. You know the vicious mockery cantrip. Charisma is your spellcasting ability for the spell. When you take the attack action on your turn, you can cast Vicious Mockery as a bonus action. You can use this trait to cast a cantrip as a bonus action a number of times equal to your charisma bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So you basically bonk somebody go, ha ha! You make fun of the poor bastard you hit with your car. Yep. <laughs> Revenge. That, that one was, was 10, 10 points. points. <laughs> ha, I get it's it, because like 10 point deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I still think it's funny you didn't realize that the, the deer had, had the, car the car thing. thing. I didn't. Uh, yeah. I, w- I was. I, you you had just had a great catch. I just. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm drunk. That's why. What's wrong with you people? That's why. Yeah. <laughs> because we're being logical, not fallacy. I, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, the next homeland we have Mountain to the Isles. Um, you have proficiency with two artisan's tools, two musical instruments, or a combination of both. 
It also comes with Pounce of the North. If you move at least 20 feet in a straight line towards a creature and then hit with the natural weapon attack from your armaments of the first trait on the same turn, the target must succeed on a strength saving throw or be knocked prone. If the target is already prone, you can instead make the natural attack as a bonus action. So basically, if you move 20 feet in a straight line and you hit them with your antlers or your hooves, you can knock them over. Oh, you knock them over if you're charging at them, fucking goring them with those antlers, Jesus. Yeah, they they go they go down like a son bitch. You will fucking flip them over you like a goddamn linebacker. I'm gonna flip you like a pancake. It just, it just reminds, reminds me of those, those uh, TV, of those TV shows, shows where, where like someone's in a fight and like two people will just like kind of like dance toward them and one picks the other up and the other bitch slaps the, the enemy. I love you. <laughs> Reference not received. Moving on. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you're happy. Anyway. Uh-huh. Scooching on to the next one, we have the Equins. Equine. Nim, are you paying attention? Girls. Nim, you dead? Oh, just just checking. <laughs> <Mine's horse. laughs> no, yeah, I'm just making sure. I know how much you like horses. I didn't want to skip on this if you were uh, if you passed out or anything. Here, I'll fill in for you. Horse. 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 So you are. Let's see. Uh, your wisdom score increases by two. You have a walking speed of 30 feet. You have March on Hooves, which we've covered already. And you also have Powerful Build, which we have also already covered. Uh, but they also get Eyes on the Horizon. You add your Wisdom bonus to initiative rolls. And I should say the, the Equins have horses and donkeys. So there are going to be two separate. That, hmm? So you have the pretty girls and the assholes. No, no. You, you add it. So okay. you have your I, initiative I just... with your dex, and you also add your wisdom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought yeah, it was yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of the dex. I don't believe so. I believe that is actually additive. Yeah. Yeah. Because generally, I, I think it would say you use your wisdom instead of dex for your initiative rolls, if that were the case. Yeah. But good catch. Um, as a halt, your strength score increases by one. You... Uh, are anywhere between five feet to seven feet tall. You have the trait out of the gate. Horses channel the rush of danger into a burst of incredible agility. Your speed is doubled during the first round of combat. Oh, God. Yeah, so you have 70 feet of movement your first round of combat. God. So, someone Speed. say flanking? Fuck. <laughs> speed. I am speed. Uh, you. The other trait that they have is sure-footed. Sure-footed stomp. Moving through a creature's space does not count as difficult terrain if it is at least one size category smaller than you, or the same size category and prone. When spending movement to travel through a creature's space with this trait, you can make an unarmed attack against it. On a hit, you deal bludgeoning damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength modifier, and the target cannot make opportunity attacks against you until the end of your turn. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it on the same creature until the start of your next turn. So basically, you get a free attack if you move through a creature's space that's one size smaller than you or is prone. Huh. 
That's pretty when that uh, enlarged <laughs> spell really comes in handy. Oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> scooching right on along to the donkeys. Uh, your constitution okay. score increases by one. You are anywhere between five foot three and five foot ten. They're kind of on the short side, fairly uniform in height. Donkeys have unbroken focus. They excel at keeping an ongoing rhythm and don't falter easily. You have advantage on constitution saving throws to continue concentrating on a spell. This next one is very interesting. They have what's called sleepwalker. Donkeys keep moving. No matter what, they keep moving. You only need four hours of sleep to gain the benefit of a long rest. Additionally, when in a state of non-magical sleep, you can walk up to your speed on your turn in a state of half-consciousness. You have disadvantage on perception checks while in this state, and your speed drops to zero when carrying more than half your carrying capacity while asleep. If I'm reading that right... You sleepwalk. You <laughs> just <productively>. sleepwalk. <laughs> you just keep fucking going. <laughs> okay, where you going? <laughs> Yeah, donkey sleep. <laughs> donkey sleep. <laughs> um, the first homeland trait is called Hunter Legacy. Uh, let's see. Long. This one's really weird and like out of the blue. Like I read all of the lore behind this, and this is just so left field. I don't fully understand it, but you know, sure. So long before the dungeon came into the world, uh, the Equines burned vampires out of the homeland's darkest places. Someone in your family was involved with this never-ending hunt, and you've learned some secret techniques from protecting yourself from their mind-affecting powers. You have advantage on saving throws against being charmed. Alrighty then. It's the most random fucking homeland trait I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> anyway, the next one uh, is called Horseshoes in the Drifts. You have advantage on survival check, checks made in yeah. Arctic environments. Yeah. S- fuck off. Snow <laughs> and ice are not difficult terrain for you. Additionally, if you are proficient with the javelin and have advantage on attacks made with a javelin against targets, at least one size category smaller than you. So, sorry. Additionally, you are proficient with the javelin and you have advantage on attacks made with a javelin against targets, one size category smaller than you. Oh. So yeah, if you're going to be playing in a icy uh, campaign, not having difficult terrain with snow and ice is kind of dope. Uh, The next one, Carriers of the Good Word. You have proficiency in religion. Additionally... With subtle marks and changes to the script, you can hide a written message within the other writing in a book without apparently changing its content. You can spend one hour to teach an ally how to discern a specific code and develop different codes for different people. Recognizing that a book has a hidden message requires an hour of reading and succeeding on a DC-15 investigation check, and decoding the message without the key requires a separate DC 25 investigation check. Damn. Yeah. So if you're playing a heavy role play kind of thing with a bunch of subterfuge, subterfuge. 
Yeah, that's pretty intense. Also, uh, the next one is called Mail Runner. As in, like, <clears throat> mail delivery, yeah. not like mail mail. Anyway. Uh, the Pony Express. Literally, Sad. when you make an acrobatics check or dexterity saving throw to keep your balance or to avoid falling prone, you can treat any d20 result of 9 or lower as a 10. Additionally, you have advantage on wisdom checks made for the purposes of navigation. Mm. Yeah. Pretty awesome. They're, it's, you're literally... The idea behind this one is that you're so familiar with the roads that you travel that you just don't fall. Because, cool. yeah. Uh, the last one, Hammer Masters. You have proficiency with the Warhammer and deal double damage to objects with them. <laughs> you want to knock down a wall? Here you go. Go ahead. Knock down the wall. <laughs> All right. Any, any questions so far over the races we've been over? Uh, could Zorkon have used that to get through that wall? If he had a hammer, yes, but he was trying to use he his was face. Using a hammer. He was using a hammer. <laughs> oh, no, he, was he using used his face. His face. <laughs> yeah, it might as well be a hammer. It's flat like a hammer. <laughs> it was flat after you ran into the fucking wall. Fuck you, it was awesome. <laughs> you didn't have a nose anymore, you're like Voldemort. Sad. I'm done grilling Zach now. Anyway. <laughs> I'm never done. Why are you done? It's not as much fun if you're done. I said well, never I mean, done. That's what she, that's what she said. Oh. Eh. Anyway, eh. moving on to the felines. Rude. Um, no. There are two types of uh, felines here. They're very Starbucks inspired. One is called Grandi and the other mm. is Chiquitu. The Grandi are basically the big cats. The tigers, lions, panthers, lynxes. And the Chiquitu are the shorter-haired house cat style. Meow. Meow. So the feline traits, uh, you get an ability score increase. Uh, dexterity increases by two. Your walking speed is 35 feet. And you've got a trait called prowling between the lines. Felines have a supernatural slippery slipperiness from the eyes of magic. You cannot be targeted by divination spells of 5th level or lower unless the spell has a range of self. You also cannot be perceived by magical scrying sensors. Alarm and glyph of warding spells cast using spell slots 5th level or lower cannot detect your presence. Oh. That is strong. Yeah. Hey, a little bit. <clears throat> too strong. <laughs> You want to know the scary thing? That's not the strongest thing. Oh shit! Mm -hmm. we'll, 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 we will get there. Can, Can I, I get a balance check in here? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Get out to lunch. <laughs> uh, they also get legs for pouncing. Some quirks of the animal felines were uplifted from still remain in their biology. Your strength score is con is treated as six higher when determining your jump distance. You also oh. have alert sleeper. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, cats, cats' unusual relationship with sleep allows them to straddle the border between the beast world and the dreaming, even when incapacitated by violent means. You remain aware of your surroundings when you are subjected to the unconscious condition. 
You remember things you hear, but you cannot see. Additionally, when in a state of non-magical sleep, you can awaken in response to anything you hear. Oh. Yeah. So it's kind of like Brick's um, four hours of unconscious sleeping, but you actually get to sleep. I just, I just picture like a fucking robber <laughs> going into the house. Just like, I think that one's sleeping. We should be quiet. Just like, damn right, I was sleeping. Fuck it. Hello. <laughs> the moonlight reflected eyeballs just open. It's like, ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> All right, you come into my home. <laughs> so, uh, the Chiquitu, your wisdom score increases by one. Your size is medium. Uh, but most of them are only between four and six feet tall. They also get bounding grace. They have an unrivaled knack for weaving through danger while running. Whenever you take the dash action, you also gain the benefits of the dodge action. That's not bad. That's pretty fucking good. Um, the Grandi... The bigger cats, your strength score increases by one. You're almost always taller than your Chiquitu cousins. Most stand between six and seven feet tall. You are still considered a medium creature. They also get the Hunter's Cleave. When you reduce a creature to zero hit points with a melee weapon attack on your turn, you can immediately make another melee weapon attack. Hmm. So, going on into the Homeland traits... You have Alley Cat. You have a climbing speed equal to your walking speed if you can brace against two parallel walls. And you also get Spice Brews. You have proficiency with brewer supplies. This next one is actually really kind of interesting. It's called Cat's Got Your Tongue. As a reaction to a spell you can hear being cast within 60 feet of you, you can you speak... Grab their tongue. You can, <laughs> you can speak a word that complicates its verbal component. The caster must make a saving throw using its spellcasting ability with a DC uh, equal to 8 plus your proficiency bonus. On a failed save, the spell ha fails and has no effect. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it again until you finish a long rest. So you're basically just like watching someone count. And you're like, 8, 4, 23, fuck you. Your go-to when someone starts casting a spell is purple people here. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, who's that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I just like the idea of seeing me like, Ah, uh, double, double, boil, and someone else, uh, the catch is like, pickles, like pickles, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> double, double, boiling pickles. I don't like boiling pickles, fuck! <laughs> uh, the next oh. homeland trait is called corked armor. You can wear armor with pockets of cork inlaid specifically for your body. You can spend oh. 24 hours of work converting armor you are proficient with into corked armor. While wearing it, water up to chest height is not considered difficult terrain for you, and walking through it costs you no extra movement. Your speed is not reduced by armor, and armor does not affect athletics checks made to swim. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. 
the the idea there is that these cats are from a dock town, basically. They're used to being uh, on ships and shit. I see. That makes sense. Uh, the next homeland trait we have: uncanny navigator. You. This one took me a second to um, to wrap my head around. You can substitute an athletics check for a stealth check when using the hide action in situations where you can climb to a higher surface. So generally speaking, uh, when you are trying to climb a surface, it's an athletics check. You can use your stealth instead if you were using the hide action to get up somewhere. No. I, I think it's you're using... You can instead do a, an athletics check when you are going to hide instead of rolling for stealth. So like... Yep, yeah, no, you're right. I read that the wrong way around. <clears throat> yeah, so like... It, if you just someone walks like some people walk into the area you're just like oh shit hide and then there's just like tree <laughs> oh you <laughs> pull like a jump into the tree you pull like a jim carrey grinch maneuver in the mail room where you're just up in the corner <laughs> yeah you can basically <laughs> climb onto the t- top of the fucking bathroom stall or something and then just like hang there <laughs> i'm also I'm also, also just picturing, picturing like a Spider-Man situation, situation where no one ever looks up, so you just have a cat cling to the ceiling with its claws like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> uh, So I may be pronouncing this one wrong. I don't remember what that little thing underneath the sea does. I think it's Kolosan. Uh, yeah. You have advantage on stealth checks to follow an unaware target you can see. So basically just cat stalking. Uh, this next one's actually really, really cool. It, very situational. Uh, it's called Dead Man's Drop. You have proficiency with carpenter's tools. And when you are in a room with wooden walls and a suitable space within, you can spend eight hours to make a carpenter's tools check using dexterity to build a secret compartment six inches on each side. This compartment requires an investigation check with a DC equal to the carpenter's tools check to discover it. So basically whatever you do to build this with a carpenter's tools check is what the investigation check needs to meet or beat. Additionally, you have an advantage when rolling investigation checks for the purposes of finding secret doors or compartments. Hmm. So you can, you just make a little hidey hole. Neat. Oh, uh, I like that. As this homeland trait, you also get uh, piratical boldness. If you were hit by an attack while moving, such as from an opportunity attack, you have advantage on your next attack roll made before the end of your next turn. Hmm. So yeah, that's the felines. <clears throat> Questions, comments, thoughts, concerns? They're cool. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> I thought you said yeah, and then I realized you said meow. <laughs> so, well played. Question, comments, yes. I I just got uh, super troopered. God damn it. Anigans. <laughs> 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 well, moving on to... Uh, don't make me pistol whip you. Uh, moving on to the Latine. They are otters and ferrets. Of course, I'm excited about these ones because otters, but, you know, whatever. No. What? No. Uh, <laughs> your intelligence score increases by two. Your walking speed is 30. 
Their first trait is Noodle Body. Oh my god. <laughs> Your long and flexible body can squeeze into tighter spaces than anyone else. One can almost imagine pouring you into a teacup. You are treated as tiny when determining what your body can fit into. For instance, you can squeeze through a hole your head can fit through, usually about six inches. Additionally, you can move through the space of any creature at least one size category larger than you, which costs you no extra movement. You also have the trait Slippery Thoughts. You have resistance to psychic damage, and you are immune to the Detect Thoughts spell unless it was cast by another late teen. The idea behind these guys is they are super fucking scatterbrained. Like, they'll be on a topic, and then if there's multiple late teens, they will fucking tangent the shit out of the conversation and eventually come back to the main topic. But other people that aren't late teens and aren't used to that mental capacity are just like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what we were talking about bagels, now we're talking about <laughs> ship rudders. Are we going to get back to bagels? <laughs> so that's the, the idea about them having uh, the resistance to psychic damage, because it's kind of like that, that one meme where the guy has, like, the mind reader. is like, now I will learn all your secrets. And it's like, haha, my mental uh, defenses are impenetrable. And he sits there for a second to go, like, stop thinking about tits! Haha, <laughs> no. Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, so, with the otters, your wisdom score increases by one. Your size is small, and you are anywhere between three and four feet tall. You have a swimming speed equal to your walking speed, and you can hold your breath for 15 minutes. You've also got the trait Ahead for Knots. Otters can easily, easily visualize a ship's rigging. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any dexterity or intelligence check you make to use rope. Ferrets have a deck score increase of one. You are also considered small, and they stand anywhere between four foot three and four foot nothing. They have a trait called malleable mind. You can take control of instincts that are automatic to most people, and with focus and deliberation, you can prime your mind for a task. At the end of a long rest, choose one of the following skills, insight, investigation, perception, or survival. You are proficient in that skill until you choose a different one. Now it doesn't oh, say cool. it doesn't say anything about if you're already proficient, you get expertise, or if you're already proficient, then just fucking pick another one. Considering that it doesn't say anything about expertise, I would say that if you are proficient in perception, then you would get to pick insight, investigation, or survival. Yeah. Probably for the best. Now, if you're proficient in all four of those, then I would probably say, yeah, you can make one of them expertise. Um, that's my own DM's opinion, though. Yeah. Uh, their first homeland trait is court tinkers. You have proficiency with tinkers tools, and with one minute of study, you can discern the trigger or means of operating any device that you can hold or whose primary moving parts you can see. The next homeland trait is called Schematic Sense. As a bonus action, you can roll a perception check to determine a weak point in an artificial structure you can see. The DC is equal to the result of the artisan's tools check roll to erect the structure. Some example DCs are given below in a little chart. And on a successful check, choose one of the following effects. The first one, 
you deal double damage to a 5-foot section of the structure's wall you can see. Or, if you break a section of the ceiling, support beam, or column, you can choose a collapse that fills the space you choose within 60 feet of you with a pile of debris roughly 5 foot on each side. The debris leaves a hole in the ceiling and causes 3d6 bludgeoning damage to any creature in the space, plus an extra 1d6 for every 10 feet it falls. On a failed check, you can't roll to perceive flaws in the same structure again. So mm. basically, you can be in a room and be like, there's bad guys. Bonk. <laughs> uh, so f- the chart that is pictured down here, for a barn or a hovel, the perception is a DC of 10. For a house, the DC is 12. A lodge, house, or manor, the DC is 15. And for a castle or dungeon, the DC is 18. <clears throat> So I just kind of like the idea of an otter or fairy just weaseling around, just being like, ding, 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 bonk, nailed it, dead. (laughs) I'm assuming there's, okay, I see. I was thinking like, what the fuck is the point? Oh, I see, just like make debris fall on him. Got Mm -hmm. it. I mean, 3d6 bludgeoning damage plus 1d6 for every 10 feet it falls. If you consider just a traditional like 6 to 10 foot high ceiling, like that's, that's pretty fucking significant. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, the next homeland trait is called Jury Rig. You can improvise solutions to me- uh, mechanical problems and adapt as the situation changes. You carry a kit of invaluable tools that seems like a pack of junk to anyone else. With one minute of studious work, you can roll an intelligence check to perform one of the following effects. The DC of the effect is given in the Jury Rig table below. Uh, the DCs are 12, 15, 15, and 20. I don't know if that's a typo, but uh, regardless. The DC-12 one. Opening a door or hatch springs a trap that deals 1d6 bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage. Your choice. The DC to detect or disarm the trap is equal to the result of the intelligence check. Oh, okay, I see. So if you were to get like a 15, then you could do the door or you could do one of the next two. Uh, with 15, you can waterproof a modified huge or smaller vehicle for 24 hours, allowing it to float on water. Also a DC of 15, you can increase the break DC of a modified large or smaller object by 2d4 for one hour. With a DC of 20, the first hit with an attack made with a modified weapon against a construct in the next hour is treated as a critical hit. So if you know you're going to be going up against a construct like a golem, then you just go in there, bonk it, and it's just it's it's a guaranteed crit, so long as you hit the creature. Right. Huh. <clears throat> Fairly situational, I suppose. I mean, a lot of this, most of this makes a lot of sense if you consider the caravan aspect of this module, like being able to trap your door from people getting in, allowing your caravan to be able to float if you know you're about to cross a fjord. Um, yeah. Increase the break DC of a modified large or smaller object, like anything that's in your home that could potentially break, like a wheel. I mean, yeah. Uh, the next Homeland trait, ho- Homeland trait? Homeland trait is Lens Master. <laughs> you have proficiency with glass blower's tools and jeweler's tools. 
As an action, you can accurately appraise the market value of any non-magical plant or gem. With one minute of study, you can also identify any magic item that prominently features a gemstone, glass, or lens, such as a staff or weapon with an inset gem in it. You can also attune yourself or an ally within 10 feet to such magic items with one minute of observation instead of the normal one hour. That's kind of nuts. Me? <laughs> if there's a gem on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's a gem on it, I know what it do. Uh, the next one like it has a purpose of oh fuck. The, of oh fuck. Uh, the next one I love. It's called Net Fisher Noodle. You have proficiency Aww. with the net. You can spend 15 gold pieces and eight hours to improve a net's function, making it more difficult to escape and harder to destroy. Its escape DC increases to 15, and a creature must deal 10 slashing damage to a net AC 15 to free itself. And they're also a noodle. Yeah, I mean, just imagine this little <laughs> ferret fucker weaving in between these medium-sized creatures' legs, and she goes, "Yeah!" And then next thing you know, you're just fucking tangled. I love them. Alrighty. Oh, but that's a hippie. That is a sloth. That's a hippie. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> These ones are very interesting. Uh, the next ones up are called, um, how's it, uh, Ligonines. They are moles, armadillos, and sloths. Why? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's not my module. Armadillos are not hippie, but the others are hippies. So, <laughs> well, not necessarily. The the Ligon the the Ligonine traits, um, your constitution increases by two, and you have the trait a mind outside the box. The disparate Ligonine subspecies share a unique perspective. When you make an intelligence, wisdom, or charisma check that does not allow the use of a specific skill, you are treated as proficient. What that means is Ligon that. Well, like if the DM were to say, make a survival check. It, that's technically a wisdom check, but it's survival. If the DM just said, make a wisdom check, that's when you get to treat it as if you're proficient. Cool. So, I like uh, how it went out mm -hmm. that it just says, just happy to hang. That's a hippie. Yeah, basically. It's a hippie. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a mole, your intelligence score increases by one. Your size is medium, and you're anywhere between four foot nothing and four foot eight. You have a walking speed of 25 feet, but you also have a burrowing speed of 10 feet so long as you have free use of both hands. You also have dark vision. You are accustomed to tunnels and have superior vision in dark and dim conditions. You can see in dim light within 60 feet of you as if it were bright light, and in darkness as if it were dim light. This is important, because darkness means no light whatsoever. If you just have regular dark vision, you can't see in pure darkness. You can only see decently in dim light. Hmm. Um, you cannot discern color in darkness, only shades of gray. <clears throat> uh, moles also have soil sense. They can close off their sense of sight to temporarily gain a new way of perceiving the world. 
you can use a bonus action to gain Tremor Sense out to a range of 15 feet for the next one minute. While using this ability, you lose the ability to see by conventional means, and also lose the benefit of dark vision. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it again until you finish a short or long rest. I'm not a huge fan of this trait name, because it's kind of funny and kind of dirty. It's called Battle Bottoms. <laughs> Moles are nearsighted. It's Becca. You, uh... Who said that? <laughs> Who do you think... <laughs> anyway, it was Zeke. You have disadvantage Zeke knows on. Better. You have disadvantage on perception checks related to sight. While He's wearing spectacles, while wearing spectacles made for you, you do not have disadvantage from this trait, and are instead treated as proficient in perception for ability checks related to sight. You can expend 8 hours and 50 gold pieces to make a dexterity glass, glass blower's tools check to make a new pair. Someone else can do this for you, but you must be present while they are being crafted. They also have tunnel sense. When underground, you always know the dimensions of the space you occupy, as well as the shortest path to reach open air. You also know if digging upward will lead to a body of water if the water is within 60 feet. And lastly, they have Quick Fix. Your natural affinity for tinkering and repair is aided by the Arcana itself. You know the Mending Cantrip, and Intelligence is your spellcasting ability for it. Whew! <clears throat> the moles have a lot. Uh, I don't think I'd ever play a mole, personally. Yeah. Not my play style. Um... Next up, we got the armadillos. Their strength score is increased by one. They are a medium creature, and they're anywhere between four foot four and five feet tall. Uh, they have a walking speed of 35 feet, and they also have natural armor. You have a tough protective shell. When you aren't wearing armor, your AC is 14 plus your dex. You can use your natural armor to determine your AC if the armor you wear would leave you with a lower AC. A shield's benefits apply as normal when you use your natural armor. Basically what that means, a lot of creatures that have natural armor, if you put armor on, that armor supersedes your natural armor. So in this particular instance, let's say that you were to have like mariner's armor which gives you a swim speed equal to your movement speed. If the Mariner's armor is lower than your current AC, you would just use your natural armor and you would gain the benefits of the Mariner's armor, which gives you a swim speed. That's basically what this is saying. <clears throat> uh, armadillos also have defensive ball. You can curl your armored hide around you during a fight and even launch yourself into a roll. When you take the dash, disengage, or dodge action, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage that you take from non-magical attacks is reduced by three until the start of your next turn. Additionally, when you take the dash action, your speed is increased by twice your walking speed instead of only your walking speed if you move in a straight line. Still kind of interesting. Probably pretty good for a fighter barbarian type. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on up to the hippies. Going to get to the sloths here. 
Your wisdom score increases by one. Um, you are still a medium-sized creature. A sloth stands anywhere between five foot nine and seven foot one. Your walking speed is twenty-five feet, and you have a climbing speed equal to your walking speed. They have the trait a mean right hook. Sloths have claws that are long and hooked for climbing and fighting. In addition, your claws are natural weapons, which you can use to make unarmed strikes. On a hit, you deal slashing damage equal to 1d6 plus your strength modifier instead of the bludgeoning damage normal for an unarmed strike. You also have long arms, which if you're doing an unarmed strike, you have uh, 5 feet more reach than normal. Wow, 10 feet? Yeah. Slow and steady is interesting. If you moved 0 feet and did not take a bonus action on your last turn, and you have not used your reaction since then, you have advantage on the first attack roll or ability check using strength or dexterity you make against a creature on your turn. So basically, if you did almost nothing, you get advantage on your next turn. Well, if you attacked and only attacked. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, basically nothing. Hmm... Yeah, I'm not sure I feel about that one. It's it's different. That's, that's true. It's very different. That's one way to say bad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> back two seconds. Uh, on into the homeland traits. We'll try to breeze through these since it's getting. Uh, we've been going for an hour and a half, and we're uh, uh, we're only barely halfway. Uh, we've got the Lego Nine Focus. You have proficiency with one artisan's tool of your choice and one of the following skills, arcana, history, medicine, nature, or religion. If you spend 24 hours in uninterrupted study and practice, roll two d20s and save the higher result. Anytime in the next seven days, you can replace the result of an ability check made for the chosen artisan's tool or skill with the one rolled beforehand. You must choose to do so before the roll. You must choose to do so before the roll, and can use this result only once. However, the downside to that is spending 24 hours in uninterrupted study and practice, meaning that you have a... you'd have to deal with a point of exhaustion. Which, still, you have seven days to use this, so one point of exhaustion, take an hour, eight-hour nap, you're good to go. Yeah. <clears throat> the next homeland trait is stone movers and surveyors you can cast the floating disc spell once and regain the ability to do so when you finish a long rest when you cast it you can create a disc up to 10 feet wide that can carry up to 1000 pounds it can travel over gaps up to 20 feet wide but its elevation cannot change without traveling over a slope intelligence is your spell casting ability for the spell and additionally, when you are inside a building, you can sense the presence of any basement or tunnel up to 300 feet underneath it. Super situational, Ooh. but, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the, the ability that you just, like, step inside a building, just like, what's that in the basement? <laughs> yeah, you got beer. <laughs> Uh, the next homeland trait is called Dweller in Leaves. All your life, you've looked, o looked out over the treetops and into the distance. If you wear eyeglasses, you learn the importance of a head strap early. 
You can see up to one mile away with no difficulty and can discern even fine details as though looking at something no more than 100 feet away from you. Additionally, this one's a bit confusing and a bit long-winded, so bear with me. You can swing around a handhold to turn a dangerous fall into a safe leap forward. You are proficient in the acrobatic skill. If you fall at least 10 feet and there is a suitable spot to grab, such as a tree branch or stone outcropping, you can roll an acrobatics check with the DC of 12 plus 1 for every 10 feet you've fallen. On a successful check, you swing your body around the handhold and move forward the distance fallen in a straight line. This negates the distance for the purposes of calculating fall damage. Technically, oh. you can I go mean, really far. Oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, if it, you were to... Be... Go the further you go, the further you fall, the harder it, it'll be to translate it forward. But basically, you just kind of... You spin around it and you fly forward and you reset your like fall damage and it's useful like even if you do it near the end of a fall even if you're still going to be falling a good bit down it kind of resets your fall damage so that's uh, interesting let's see darlings the hippies have upset me so much that i am going to leave also my back hurts so okay. i will see you guys later <laughs> have a good night God damn it, this. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, I'm trying to do the math here. Um, so let's say that you have expertise in acrobatics. Hmm. The high, what's the highest proficiency you can have? Is what five, six? I think it's five. Let's just say for this purpose, it's five. Okay, so off the bat, you have a plus 10 with your proficiency because it's expertise. It's doubled. And right. then the highest modifier you have with your um, dexterity is 5 as well. So that's a plus 15, roughly. Let's just say it's a plus 15. Yep. So it's a DC of plus 1 for every 10 feet. So if you were to roll a natural 20 and add 15, that's 35. So... For you to succeed, meets it beats, that's going to be basically 35 minus 2. So you could fall, what's that, uh, 330 feet, and then just, whoop, if you had a yeah. perfect roll. Perfect stats, like perfect roll. Fucking yeah. cannon. Yeah, a perfect situation, just like fucking free fall, just whoop. Is he going to make it? I don't know. We'll see. Yeet. Done. <laughs> but this part right here. On, hold on. On a successful check, you swing your body around the handhold and move forward the distance fallen in a straight line. If you fell 350 feet and grabbed you just went, Whew! <laughs> You're like falling down in a pit. You just like slam into the fucking wall. That <laughs> my Jesus! I do. I do want to point this out. It does say this negates the distance for purposes of calculating fall damage. It doesn't say it negates the impact damage. <laughs> yeah. 
If you go mock oh shit into the chasm wall, you will still hurt. Fuck, that's okay. so You well, may not die from fall damage, but you'll break every bone in your body. <laughs> they do say it's not the fall that kills you, it's the exit velocity. <laughs> oh, I love rule semantics like that. That's fucking hilarious. All right, boys and girls, I'm going to have to follow Becca to help her out. So I will wish you all a good night. All right, man, have a good night. Good night, good sir. Yeah. Uh, How are you guys feeling? You want to keep going on and try to power through all of these, or you want to call it and uh, circle back? How many do we have left? Part two. Uh, We are are on the mice, and we have with them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. To go? To go. Fucking part two. Part two. <laughs> one more. One more. Yeah, we'll finish this one and then get. Okay, done. we'll we'll finish up with the mice and then we'll the mice and the rat people and we'll we'll pick up from there. Right. Uh, so the mice are called the murine, I believe. There's no pronunciation Please. guide for it. Could be marine. I'm not sure. Uh, you have I'm a deck score increase of two. Yeah. Uh, your walking speed is thirty. And you have Maze Proof. It's basically the Minotaur's feature where, uh, with the purposes of the, of the Maze spell. Um, you never become lost retracing any path you've traveled while conscious in the past seven days. <clears throat> you also have Low Light Vision. They see very well in the dark, though not as well as species that live underground or at night. Dim Light is bright light for you. I just realized why they have Maze Proof. Because they just did the like uh-huh. Mice in a Maze experiments. Yep. God damn it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, they're so clever. Uh, as a mouse, your charisma score increases by one. Your size is small, and you are considered to be between three foot four and three foot eight. This is cool. They have voiceless speech. Mice have an innate connection among themselves that allows them to communicate using facial tics and mannerisms too subtle for other species to detect. You can communicate silently with any mouse you can see, who can see your face, and vice versa. That's oh. just cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wear a mask. It's just don't talk to me. It's like wearing your earpods. <laughs> Do not disturb. <laughs> uh, they also have collective magic. As a reaction to another creature within 60 feet of you that you can see losing concentration on a spell because of disruption or the end of its duration, you can expend a spell slot of at least the spell's level to allow it to continue. Its duration is extended by its normal maximum. So if you have a third level spell that lasts an hour, you can expend a third level spell and increase its duration by another hour. Just renew the spell. Just renew this. So long as it's concentration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, As a rat, your ability score increase is uh, your wisdom increases by one. You are, your size is either small or medium, your choice. You are anywhere between three foot nine and five foot nine. This is really cool. They have leftover magic. Rats can make do with what's left over, and this extends even to the arcane. As a reaction to a spell being cast on a creature you can see within 60 feet of you, whose level is up to your level divided by three, minimum of a first level spell, 
you can cause the spell to additionally affect you as if you were the target. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it until you finish the long rest. So basically, if you see a spell being cast by a friendly or an enemy, and you're like, hey, DM, what level is that spell? It's this. Like, yeah, that affects me now, too. <laughs> Bunny. Well, I mean, honestly, think about it. You're um, So for those of you that watched the uh, Tales of Archeron campaign, the, the one that I can think of specifically is Zephyr Blade, or Zephyr Strike, which lets you double your movement speed, you don't trigger opportunity attacks, and you hit harder with your next melee attack. Basically, the rat goes, hey, I like that, give me some, and then <laughs> off he goes. <laughs> um, they also, the rats also have survivable. You can survive twice as long as normal without eating or drinking. Yeek. So, moving on to the last little bit of Homeland traits here. I'll try to breeze through these because I know Issa and Nim are getting tired. And Zach is probably really bored of this. Well, um, no, I'm listening <clears throat> to it. The first Homeland trait is Versatile Rider. As a bonus action, while mounted, you can position your body to prepare yourself for an emergency dismount. After taking this action, you can dismount into an unoccupied space within 5 feet as a reaction to being hit by an attack. Additionally, mounting a bipedal creature costs five feet of your movement. The lore behind this is that the mice are trained to ride on the backs of their smaller companions, or their larger companions. So you're in the middle of fighting, and you just feel, and they have a lance, and they're ready to go. <laughs> um, speaking of the lance, the, the next trait of this particular homeland trait is Royal Lancer. You are proficient with the lance. While mounted, you ignore the property of the lance that imposes disadvantage on attack rolls against creatures within five feet of you. You're literally standing on the shoulders of your companions going, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, the next homeland trait is very, very similar. Uh, it has versatile rider as well. Um, however, they get mouse among giants. If a creature at least one size category larger would grant you half cover, you have three quarters cover instead. So you don't get the lance feature, but um, you can still, you know, ride on the back of things. And you get cover. Yeah. Uh, this next one, super situational. I don't like it personally. It's called Drifting Drop. With one minute of preparation... You can tie a sail, or another square cloth at least 10 feet on a side, to your ankles. When wearing this cloth and holding the other two corners with both hands, you fall 60 feet per round and don't take fall damage. You can remove the cloth as an action. You also get gliding descent. When using drifting drop trait in moderate or stronger wind, you can move up to your speed in its direction at no movement cost to you. In Strong Wind, you can also choose a falling speed between 0 and 60 feet per round. It's kind of weird. I like that. I like it. It's very it's very niche. It's yeah. very, very niche. But at the same time, it's still I can see that still being usable. Well, this particular Homeland trait is, again, based on the, uh, the dock uh, ship fairing kind of kingdom area. So yeah. in that sense, it makes a little bit more sense, but I'm still not super thrilled about it personally. I don't think that I'd ever pick it. I'd fucking use it. <laughs> just tie a cloth to your ankles and then just hold on to the hold on to the other corners and then just wee, glide well, now, down. 
after this next one, there's another version of this that you might like a little bit more, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the next Homeland trait is called Twitch Literacy. With 30 days of practicing at least two hours a day, you can teach a creature who shares at least one spoken language with you to understand your voiceless speech. If you are under the shared effects of a telepathic bond spell, you can teach this skill in two hours instead. So nice. basically, you can teach someone to read your expressions, but they wouldn't be able to speak back. Huh. It also gives you collective effort. You can use the help action to aid any creature that can understand your voiceless speech and see your face, such as another mouse or a creature that learned the Twitch literacy trait. So basically, you're just like, oh, I have to unlock this lock, and the mouse is just fucking twitching its nose. You're like, you're right, I can do it. <laughs> uh, so the next one, uh, it's, it's Drifting Drop again, but the other trait that comes with it is called Pirate Drop. You can hold a weapon in one hand while using the Drifting Drop trait, and you can make a melee weapon attack against a creature immediately after falling at least 10 feet this way. So it's essentially a free attack. Hold a weapon in one hand with... Oh, Sorry? Hold a weapon in one hand while using the Drifting Drop. Make a melee weapon attack. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. They're... I, I kind of feel like one is just way more. The one is way more kind of. It feels more free. Like you, you, it gives you a lot more movement options. And I feel like that's true. Something that I like more of personally. Fair enough. <clears throat> um, for the rat, we've only got two more left here. The rat is very intriguing. So the idea behind them is they used to be mice, but they kind of shifted. They used to be able to do the voiceless speech, but they lost that ability. It, it talks about a, tra a tragic event that happened, but it doesn't go into detail, at least in this section. It may be somewhere throughout this that I haven't uh, read yet. <clears throat> so, generations, basically the trait Life Among Others, Generations of life among the species of other homelands and their innate adaptation to their magic have blended them seamlessly into their new homes. If you are from Anaria, you have the Blackwind Feedback Homeland trait, which we'll cover in just a second. If you are from a different homeland, you can choose your homeland trait from any species list except the mice. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Damn. Yeah. Now, if you are a rat from Arneria, you're basically forced to take the Black Wild feedback. This species-wide disruption that afflicted your people still echoes in you. As a reaction to taking necrotic damage, you can grant yourself resistance to necrotic damage until the start of your next turn. The source of the damage takes an amount of the necrotic damage equal to the amount reduced. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it again until you finish a short or long rest. I'm assuming that this may have something to do with Black Death, like it's a Black Death reference. Gaven. But basically, you have the necrotic damage dealt to you, and you give it back. Oh. But, Interesting. But yeah, that ability of just being able to take any other homeland trait you want... Really good. Is nuts. Is that from a specific homeland across the other species? Or? Yes. 
Yes. So, uh, for example, since that's the last one and we're kind of wrapping up at this point, let me go on to like uh, the the armadillos. Well, actually, armadillos are a bad example because they only they have either you're from underground or you're from the surface. There's no in between. Um, <laughs> so the otters, as an example, one of the homelands is called Alamance. That gives you that tinkering thing where you can discover how any object works after like one minute of fucking around with it. Uh, the area of Oria is basically way up in the north in the snow. <clears throat> As the otter, that's where you get to um, fuck with the buildings and like make things collapse. Uh, You've got the. And you can only select the Alamance ones? No, any uh, of them. Okay. Like you could choose the the vignette, which is the jury rig one from the otters. You could, if you're from, basically when you pick a rat, depending on where you say that you are from, be it Alamance, Vignette, Oria, Arneria, uh, Alar, when you pick that, any of the other races that have a homeland trait from one of those areas, you get to pick. Because some of the races oh. don't really go to like, Alar, which is the island area. It's basically all water, and they don't like that. Like, you're not going to find a bovine there. Because right. they, they want agriculture. They want open ranges. Same with the equines. They want to run. They're not going to be in the islands of Alar. But, oh, oh God. <clears throat> I scrolled up way too high. Um, oh, I, I, I stand corrected. The bovines are able to come from Alar. But that's <laughs> basically what that's saying. Yeah, I, that just that opens up so many possibilities. Being a rat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, considering that we've only just barely gotten over halfway done, uh, we're gonna call it quits there, and we will continue this with the next Whiskey Wednesdays in two-ish weeks. Yeah. And there's there's so much left to go over. Like there's. There's new subclasses. There's new spells. I'm interested to see the subclasses, but... Yeah. Thankfully, the new subclasses are only one per. So, like, there's one barbarian, there's one wizard, there's one sorcerer, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, yeah, with that said, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This was a, a bit of a longer one because I wasted the first 15, 20 minutes not realizing that, realizing that my microphone wasn't being picked up, which is unfortunate that metal stupid ass man why my why my well no i mean i i'm fine <laughs> sitting here going through all of them but i know that uh isa and nim are about dead on their feet so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in any case uh if you haven't already please join the discord links are everywhere all over our social all over this if you're listening in podcast form or watching it back on youtube uh f please feel free to join in the conversation we'd love to have you here and uh, join us this coming Friday, uh, December 2nd, for our makeup D&D session from Thanksgiving, where the group is uh, going to confront a tailor. Yeah. But the tailor. Anything anyone else wants to talk about, discuss? Yeah, this is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's 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 great. Like I'm, Not in a bad way. No, no, no. Just like, yeah. it's just, I didn't expect it to be this much. It's super fucking detailed. There's like 405 pages to this thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Well, with nothing else to be said, thank you again for watching. Hope you, hope you have a great rest of your week. I'm officially done drinking my whiskey. We can end. Plug. All right.
Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Whiskey Wednesdays podcast. You can watch the show live on Twitch every other Wednesday. If you'd like to recommend a topic for us to discuss, please join our Discord. The links can be found in the description, and we look forward to seeing you soon.